Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Another week down, another Sales IQ Podcast for you to listen to. And this week's a pretty cool episode because we're talking to a Canadian, a French Canadian by the name of Denis Champagne. And I've had the pleasure of working with Denis for some time. And Denis is a bit of a veteran when it comes to to consulting and, and coaching and spent a lot of time on voice. And this is a really cool episode because there are so many things in the sales process that we simply can't control, right? We can't control the decisions that buyers make. We can't control many elements of the sales process, but there are many things that we can control. And I think sometimes we get stuck in the circle where we just can't control things. And, you know, when you think about selling, there are so many elements that make up a really good interaction between two people when it comes to the sales process. And the relationship is absolutely fundamental. And regardless of what anybody says that, you know, it's changing, it's changing, it's changing. Selling, there needs to be a level of trust between the buyer and the seller. And we see a lot of data that shows that that, that trust between buyer and seller is getting wider and wider. And that's why this is a really cool episode because we'll talk about the power of voice, tone, pitch, speed, and the impact that can have on building relationships with your prospects. So get in, really, really listen to this episode because I I really enjoyed it. Um, I've spent a lot of my career trying to craft that, you know, slowing down because I'm a fast pace. I'm a fast talker. I am in pretty intense. When I get in the sales process, I get excited. We are dealing with people often that aren't like us. And go back to the platinum rule from the great Dr. Tony Alessandra, which is treat others the way they want to be treated because not about us. Our role is to facilitate the process and help people arrive at a better state and help them get to that point of decision. This episode is brought to you by Vidyard, Vidyard. the online video tool for sales professionals. Vidyard makes it easy for sales teams to turn text-based emails into personal video messages and will help you engage with your prospects and create an incredible buying experience for them, which will ultimately help you reach your pipeline and revenue goals. So do yourself a favor, get to vidyard.com, sign up and start using video in your sales process. So buckle up, enjoy. I'm going to listen to this again and again because there's, there's a lot of learnings from this episode. The other thing I want to share with everyone is we've got a couple of new podcasts starting with some industry professionals who are incredible thought leaders and run revenue operations for their companies in the tech space. This is awesome. One's called the Revenue Engine Podcast and the other one is called the Revenue Architect Podcast. These are launching in the next week. So watch out for the podcast. We'll actually start promoting it. We'll put in the show notes where you can access these podcasts. We'll probably put it in next week. So these are incredible. We've got some incredible guests. They really dive into some incredible topics and you know it'll help you be the very best sales professionals you can be. So enjoy this week's podcast with Denise. Welcome to the show, Denis. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, pretty excited, mate, to uh, have you on the Sales IQ podcast. And uh, before we get into all things tone, speed, pitch, all the fun things that us as sales professionals need to execute when you know building rapport and 
relationships with prospects. We'd love to learn a little bit more about you, mate, where you come from um, and how you got in the world of sales. Uh, 30, well, 35 years ago, um, I got called into a call center in high school. And uh, within a very short period of time, I was getting more appointments for furniture salespeople. <laughs> My mother was an inspiration to me earlier on. She was multitasking in the kitchen while booking appointments for Tupperware <laughs> parties. So that gave me kind of an inspiration in her heart and her kindness and her joy to help others and get to meet and greet people together was her greatest quality. At When she passed away, the church was full. So that tells you a little bit about her legacy. And I was inspired by her kindness. She was just an amazing lady. The door was a revolving, come in for coffee anytime kind of thing <laughs> at home. So we always had people coming in, our neighbors. So that kind of community feel and caring for people and have, and just being happy being around people is something that yeah. she's inspired me to do so. So that's a little bit of my background. Uh, I was a squash and pro, pro athlete, uh, an elite cyclist. But really in sales, I ran my own call center from 90 to 2000. And uh, since then, I've been selling and prospecting the C-suite in the last 15 years. Oh, man. Fantastic. So it's good to see that your family was a, a big part of, of your why and how you started, you know, working with people and helping people. And I know that you've got such a focused mindset because um, obviously outside of our this podcast, mate, we've got a good relationship. So, Indeed. Um, so, mate, Denise, would love to know, I mean, obviously, you know, um, sales – as you know, my opinion around selling is about helping people achieve better outcomes. You spend a lot of time focusing on voice and tone and and pitch and speed when it comes to selling, um, the softer skill component versus the tactical part of things. You know, where did you find the time or where did the inspiration come from to learn about that? Well, it really was an internal thing. It was because I was sad and mad 20 odd years ago. <laughs> I lost, I lost everything, and I had a number of events in my life that brought me to that kind of, I guess, more, mad than, more sadness than madness. But, you know, it's a fine line between sad to mad. <laughs> and uh, I realized I wasn't generating in my other company, I wasn't generating the kind of appointments just because I sounded too intense. Yeah. So it really comes down to that. Uh, the idea that you must sound enjoyable. You must sound harmonious. And harmonious is not just with others, it's with yourself first. Mm. You can't project harmony if you're not harmonious. Yeah. It's impossible. So I had to really look hard at myself and take a look in, in, internally and respectively and uh, observe my own heart and my lot in life and say, what do I need to do to change to get results? Because I wasn't generating results and I was working hard. But, you know, after a while, bing, 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 your head on the cement, it starts to hurt. And yeah. you got to say, okay, wait, uh, you know, change the course, uh, take another street if you're falling in the same hole. And so it took time. And, and uh, as you know, I took on kind of a more spiritual path for myself to try to understand who I really was and the causes behind that and obviously the effects that were generated. 
And I started making more consciousness of how I speak and how I express myself to be kinder, not only to myself, but, you know, obviously to my parents, to my, my fellow friends. And because yeah. you can't be one kind of person and be another kind of salesperson. You are who you are. You carry it with you. So yeah. that kind of component brought me to a, become aware. And obviously the phone was very big in those days. We had no video or no WhatsApp or it was all phone, right? So luckily I could do, I've practiced and improved my ability to engage, connect with myself and then with others. And then all of a sudden it started turning around. I started getting people to say, yeah, come on in. Let's have a chat. It wasn't yeah. as sophisticated as having the whole process of establishing the pains and their pain, they were interested in, you know, a solution. Uh, the, you know, we're talking 25, 30 years ago. It's improved since then. Yeah. I've improved since then, but then that, that, <laughs> that was. So that's a little bit of my journey in transformation. So when did you realize the tonality component and the intonation was preventing you from progressing opportunities and building relationships with people? When I got really, because prior in the eighties, I had, I was managing a call center and I was yeah. listening to Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar <laughs> made me aware of the power of the voice. He was the first yeah. person to wake me up to that. Uh, and so, and, but then I went into other, you know, realms and other activities in my life, came back to professional squash and then he came back. And then I realized, mm -hmm. yeah, I had to make a change. And, uh, it was a couple of times when I had clients not respond to me and ghost me. And I realized it was me, my intensity, my aggressiveness. It, it wasn't about helping the other. It was about getting a sale. And so when I decided, no, that's not the right way. You, you, you got to, it's a two-way street. Obviously, salespeople generate a revenue based on their service, based on their caring, yeah. based on finding the, positive outcome for the client, as we all say, right? It's Sales IQ, the wonderful Sales IQ group. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, it's, it's funny, Denis, because I think, you know, you can have an element of intensity and, you know, I think aggressiveness is probably um, pushes that boundaries, right? But when you've got the right level of intent and you've got the right mindset, you know, I want to help someone achieve something better, it's okay to have that level of intensity, but being able to manage the way in which the message is put across and received from the other person is actually a skill. And one of the things that I find really interesting is that in 2021, a lot of the modern day sales training practices and when companies induct sellers forget a little bit around that, the importance of those soft skills, right? Um, slowing down, speeding up, uh, disc. You know, all the things that are so, so important. There's got to be a relationship between two parties and they've got to be, there's got to be an element of trust. Sure. You've got to reduce that, you know, reduce that relationship tension to get to that zone of influence. And the only way you can do that is when there's a little element of trust. So talk to us about some of the strategies that you've employed over the years, because you spend a lot of time coaching sales professionals on the power of voice. And you spoke about Zig. Talk to us about some of those strategies that you employ to help build trust through voice. Well, first is trusting themselves. So I, the first stages of coaching someone is developing their own esteem. I just finished actually two days ago with someone in South America, one of the four reps 
that we're going to probably work together with. Yeah. And one of them is really um, in terms of his self-esteem. And so okay. build his self-esteem, help him to build himself and appreciate himself for who he really is. Uh, far too many people come into the profession of sales or the job of selling and um, don't really know who they are. So they, they're confronted with tactics and, 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 and obstacles, but they don't know how to compose with it because they have never really taken the time to think when these things happen, what is the strategy? What is the way towards helping someone else? So there are many ways of helping people. Um, and so uh, it's about the individual, the rep needs to be given encouragement and it is so little. I mean, if you look at our family, your family life, my family life, I'm typical family life. I didn't get a lot of encouragement from my parents. It's not that they didn't love me. They just, it wasn't part of the, the culture of I believe in you and you can do it. You know, I mean, there's overdoing it too. Like, you know, today yeah. parents think that their kids can do everything when actually they can't. <laughs> so you have to be honest with them. But in our case, it was undervalued. So we weren't given a lot of support and care. And Andrew Carnegie from the U.S. Steel Corporation in the 30s, who's a billionaire in the 30s, said, I applied my only single management principle called encouragement. Just saying to someone, I know you can do this. I believe in you 100%. There's no doubt you can get this done. There's no doubt about mm. it. How and when and how fast we can work on that. People, you can see in their face when if we do a Zoom call and training people, you can see their face change. So it starts with yep. encouragement and helping them to appreciate themselves. Okay. So the first things first is having that self-belief in what you're doing and building that inner fortitude, inner belief inside oneself and then once you build that belief, what's the next tactic or what's the next strategy that we need to employ to start? Well, I, what I asked them to do is, um, and I'm so happy to say, to report that it has worked for three out of the four reps in South America. They all yeah. achieved three or four major opportunities that are on the table now. Even the vice president yeah. was a kind of aghast at the fact that it actually worked. It took me eight weeks to work with them, but... Um, yeah. What I do is I ask them to write down in finer detail, tooth and comb, if you want, all the implicit problems and impacts and problems that their clients have, real real problems, real serious problems. Document them in your own way so that it flows from your mouth, from your thinking in a natural, eloqu naturally eloquent, coming from you as a human being, so that people sense that you're not uh, – Directed by scripts, but by your natural yep. conversational eloquence of engaging and caringly approach the person to have a conversation about their problems. So I want them to really document the problem so that we start from there as a, as a premise. Is that strategy allowing the, the sales professional to have a, a level of empathy when they're talking to their prospects? About their problems? Well, if they do enough research, yeah. If they do enough research, Luigi, and they take the time to uh, research correctly, over time they'll start getting motivated because they start understanding the intricate. 
someone who took care of my father, a nutritionist, when he was ab- unable to eat, uh, taught yeah. me something. He said, you know, Mr. Champagne, expertise is expressed in the finer details. That's when you see an expert. Yeah. So the subtleties, right? Um, when I went for my, my tooth, you know, my surgery, the doctor, the parathodontist, talked to me about small, small, finer details. A professional representative of a sales organization uh, needs to talk as though the prospect, when he or she hears you, says, wow, this person understands my problems. Okay. This is really good, right? So the, the first step is to believe in oneself, um, create that self-belief internally. The second step is really to clearly understanding on, on the problems that you help prospects solve and, and then try to identify that. And then how is it that we should be conveying the message? I mean, you talk again, you talk about a lot about tone because you, you would have a lot of people that listening to this would probably either are doing it just subconsciously, they're doing it every single day, they're mirroring tone. Um, but then how do we develop the skills to, to practice and improve the way in which we deliver messages? Many years ago, I took singing lessons just to, <laughs> just to understand musicality because voice is music. Yeah. Voice is a vibe. I don't know if I can sing. I don't know if I can practice singing. And I don't know if my listeners are going to be practicing singing either. But no, tell us more, Denise. But it will make you better than you were before. Yeah. And that's the idea, right? It's to improve. It's to get better at your craft, become a, mm. a master of learning. If there's anything we learn in sales is how to uh, learn to learn and to continue to grow and enjoy. So the voice says, the voice expresses the full person. You can hide your face, but you can't hide your voice. Yeah, absolutely. This is really interesting, right? So if, we, if we're taking the time to really master the art of of voice, right? Because I, I, I believe that I've, I've spent a, um, I believe I, I've spent a lot of my career trying to get better at this um, because I too suffered from the, you know, the intensity, the sales intensity because of my eagerness um, and my drive. And DISC has played a really important part of my development, um, understanding what my own style and understanding other people's styles and adapting my style. Often I hear a lot of people's fear in trying to adapt style is they're concerned about coming across a bit disingenuous or a bit fake. How do you work through that so that you can adapt your style and still be oneself and be authentic? Well, it comes from, and you're so good at this, you talk a lot about mindset and intent and you're coming into the profession or the business of sale. And when I give a lecture, at the MBA program here in University in McGill, I always write down on the screen, you want to make a sale or build a career? Yeah. Because how you approach the sale, the transaction, or the career, the long vision, then you yeah. will not be so you know, caught up or drowned in a glass of water on the transaction, but more so on the relationship. What's important to you becomes a person in front of you and that connection. And then you establish a calm conversation. Of course, you got to practice. If you're a hyper person, you have to practice. Well, I teach them, well, sit back. I had reps put their feet up on the chair in front to really relax because you think you change your physical posture, 
you'll change the the vocal posture, the mental posture, the psychological composure. It's all synonymous with being a bit more calm. That's really interesting. So the, the body language component, right? Because I think for many of us now, especially since the you know, the world's changed in the last 12 months significantly and we've everybody's moved to that virtual selling component. I think a lot of people resonate with the fact they're probably dressed well up top and in their shorts and pajama bottoms, right? But how important is it when talking to people that you're having that positive body language? Well, the voice actually expresses a lot of the body language. That's precisely okay. my point. You cannot yeah. hide the voice. The voice says, actually, there was scientific research. I'll give you an example. A British magazine called Nature many years ago did a study on the cr- relative credibility of various media. Yep. They used TV, print, and radio. And they subjected the listeners, the readers, and the viewers to a false presentation, a false, a falsity yeah. with someone, and then a true one, right? And they went through yep. the whole process. Nine times out of ten, the, tele- the television was the one they caught the bull, the bull or the BS right away. Okay. Uh, no, actually, sorry. Rewind. The TV fooled everybody. Yep. The radio, 75% of the respondents or the listeners could pick up the false. Really? And print was a little bit in between. 75 the radio, uh, no, it was a radio experiment. It was a neuroscience study, and they, they used yeah. various three media. This was in nature. Yeah, but why was the radio the one where people picked up that it was fake? The voice. Okay, so people could actually hear. The, ne- the last thing you need to do is to underestimate the intelligence of people when you speak, especially on the C-suite, and that's all they've done. Yeah. So you've got to be credible. That's really interesting. People can pick up. I, I, I mean, I was very successful over time because I practice all the time to be authentic, to be myself. And there's a 10-second throw-off, an 11-second throw-off at the beginning of my call. And I get them or I don't because okay. that's what they're listening. Tony in his book, Tony Hughes in Combo, talks about, you know, people are carefully listening to who they can trust within those seconds. Yeah. So this is really interesting, okay? So let's take this into a call process. So if, if, we're, if we're making that outreach attempt, it's our first outreach attempt to an, a net new prospect. Um, you talk about that, that first 11 seconds. How should that voice be projected? The lowest, calmest possible you can be. Okay. You know when the police calls you at home? How are they going to ask? All right. No. I've only ever had him. I've only ever had him knock okay, on my door. Okay, or the when doctor calls you, or the doctor's <laughs> office calls you. Some authoritarian, officiality kind of call where they they say, um, "Mr. Pretzenenzi." Yes. Luigi Pretzenenzi. Correct. Oh, hi, Mr. Pretzenenzi. It's Denis from Sales IQ Global. How have you been, sir? Not bad, thanks. What's the call about? And then go right into it, right? Now, you're playing a little bit the, uh, what's it called about? You know, your very officiality. But 
When I do that, and I do it calmly, and then they say, I'm fine, what's it all about? Well, obviously, it's raining outside today, so you know I can't talk about the rain. And I go right to the source of the problems that the, for which I called. Like I noticed at your company, I did some research on your uh, press release. You just came out, like I find trigger events. You know, there's other substantive kind of information that's behind my call. But the calming yeah. part at the beginning does not create any reticence or resistance or reluctance to want to hear the rest. They have to sound and say, yeah, this person's calm. Okay. So what happens if they're a fast-paced social style, like they're a driver, they're punchy? Fine. I'll, say, I'll, I'll do the same thing. I won't change because of them because that's who I am. What I will change yeah. is I will get to when they say, what's it about? I know you're busy. I, I can tell that. Thank you for at least responding. And I get to it. I get to it real quick. There are various, okay. there are various character style grids and personality types and disc, you know, models and stuff. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. So you would, you, you kind of just quickly adapt. Yeah. And, 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 and you are who you are. You're not going to change because this person imposes something. You stay yeah. authentic to yourself. That is what I call being authentic. Is remain who you are. Like don't adjust and frivolously because someone stimulates you like that. The strength is in inside of you, not on the outside. This is really good. So just to kind of go back a step, so we can make sure we're summarizing some of the learnings from today's episode. We've got the first step is to really believe in oneself. The second step is to really understand the outcomes that you help organizations achieve or help people achieve and the problems you help them solve. The third step is to really practice and get that, you know, the vocal tone, become engaged in the way that you speak by practicing so that you can alternate your tone. And the fourth step so far from what I've heard you say, because you've only got a short period of time to build that trust on an initial call is to deliver a calmness in the way in which you're speaking to people and then adapt it as soon as you can so that you can connect with them and give them what they need to move forward. Exactly. And and acquiesce and acknowledge that they are busy. But you say, you know, I, yeah. I really appreciate, you know, the two seconds. I know you're busy. I'll get to it. Get to it. And if yeah. it's strategic, it's numbers, if it's, a high-level problems that they are accountable to. Of course, if you've done your research, you're talking to the person who's most likely to want to hear what you're talking about. Then, yeah. obviously, there's a relevance together. There's hyperscaling of the personalization, the relevance, all of those qualities and attributes and you know adjectives we use to in the world of selling now these days. There's all kinds of ways of saying it, but. It's to connect. It's just to make them realize you're not trying to pitch. You're just trying to have a calm conversation about something that's important to him or her. Yeah. I think, and you know what, you've actually identified, again, it's not about pitching anything, right? Because at that point of the conversation, especially if it's an initial outreach call, you're not at a point of advocating anything. Your primary objective is to just get some form of dialogue going. And so you're using voice as I suppose, as the tool to enable you to get to that next stage of the conversation. And is that where you find a lot of salespeople fall over is that they try to pitch their product 
too early in the conversation thread? No, obviously, uh, obviously they 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 yeah. get to it instead of you know you know kind of. It's not easy, but it takes practice and it takes awareness. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that people are taking enough time to understand the problems of their prospects. They talk mm-hmm. about the word pain, but it's what a what they call a. It's not. A, they don't talk about a, a pains with a capital P. They came with a small P. It's, oh, it's a pain, the problems. I've got my solution. I got my product. No. First and foremost, it's what's making them hurt. Focus on what's hurting them and find a, trying to own in on those things, you know, become a chameleon of commercial conversations. Yeah. To that point. You mentioned earlier that Zig Ziglar played a pretty big role in you focusing your, a big part of your career on voice um, what was that? Was that a book? Was that an audio tape? Uh, yeah, I had the secrets of I had the whole audio tape pack. It yeah. was tapes. It was cassette tapes in those days. Cassette tapes. That's right. I've got records, mate. I've got a record. I think I've, I've got it somewhere of Paul J. Meyer. <laughs> well, you know, Paul J. Meyer. So, uh, cassette. yeah. Cassette. So tell That's me, what's, what's, the secret yeah. <laughs> what's it called? The secrets Closing of? Closing the sale. The secrets of closing yeah, the sale. Very okay, and I'm pretty sure that would be on Audible, right? For anyone out there or on YouTube, uh, YouTube. Absolutely. I still have. I think if you're in selling, you've got to be you've got to be aware of Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar, big influence on a lot of salespeople and so. voice inflections, because voice inflections allows you to bear down on certain words. Yeah. Right. Like you say something often when you coach. You say yes. And we're going to do this. Yes. That's your way of getting an inflection in the mind of the other person to acknowledge, to say, yes, we're going that in that, that direction. It's like a leading a horse, you know, you kick or you whatever. So it's, it's all about finding what works for you, but staying open. And, and Zig uh, just made him, everybody realize that you need to stimulate to, um yeah stimulate is the best word um you know incite excite individuals you know of course with the understanding that they already are excited about wanting to buy this it's about a buying experience it's not about a selling experience absolutely and you should help them you become an assistant buyer that's another thing i learned so the voice allows you to become that kind benevolent calm confident person when you're talking with yeah. people. Yeah, this has been really, really interesting. And I think for all of our, all, all the listeners today, I think the fact is that you're right, that voice, that tone, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's something that you can learn. And for those that might not have been focusing on this or feel like there's an opportunity to develop this skill, um, I think the opportunity is right there in front of you. And, and now more than ever, we're moving to virtual. Um, Practicing tone and pitch and sound, et cetera, is, is such a paramount skill that we've got to get back to. So I really appreciate you sharing this with us today, Denis. But, you know, before we wrap up, where can our listeners engage with you um, and find out a bit more about, you know, some of the, the teachings and, and principles that you spoke about today? Well, Denis Champagne, as you know, is the name is spelled D-E-N-I-S. Champagne, yeah. like the bubbly stuff that you like to drink. <laughs> And yes. especially the Aussies, they talk a lot about, you know, I drink my champ, I drink my own champagne. 
Yeah. Uh, on LinkedIn, I'm there. Uh, Lotus.com, L-O-T-U-S-C-O-M-M as in mother, dot com. Yep. And obviously, Sales IQ Global Group, I'm there. Yep. So uh, an, an amazing organization. So those are three places where they can reach out. And I'll be okay. more than happy. I have lots of different interviews and podcasts to that effect. Fantastic. Well, we'll make sure we put uh, the show notes so that people can connect with you. Um, I know that you you know you share a lot of really good content on on LinkedIn, um, but want to say thanks for coming on the Sales IQ podcast and your contribution to the industry. You've been doing this a long time, um, and yeah, I think what you know some of the techniques and practices you speak about is is going to help sellers elevate themselves further in the eyes of the buyer. So thanks for coming on the Sales IQ podcast. Okay, well, thank you, Luigi, for having invited me and. My last words to everybody, stay open to learning, find a coach just like Roger Federer found a coach. <laughs>